Thanks for tuning in to Mountain View Fellowship's weekly podcast with lead pastor Don Headley. At MVF, our mandate is pointing people to Jesus by fostering relationships. We know Jesus cared for people and placed a lot of emphasis on relationships. So we do too. We believe that we're created for relationship with God and that he gave each one of us a desire to belong. If you'd like more information about MVF, connect with us at mvfcolorado.com. Now, stay tuned for this week's message. Hey, uh, I get to say this for the first time. Merry Christmas. Uh, Thrilled to have you here. We're moving into Advent season. I'm excited because this is the first Sunday of Advent. And so we're kicking off a brand new series today entitled Jesus Wishlist. And so I'm just going to jump right into it. Would you grab the, uh, the Word of God, head over to Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2, go to verses 1 through 20. That's where we're going to be uh, first thing this morning. So grab your Bibles, head over there. While you're headed over there, let me just uh, kind of welcome those of you that are maybe visiting. Maybe this is your first time. Uh, we're thrilled to have you here. Uh, at the end of this service, I would just ask that you stop by the information booth And uh, we just want to greet you and thank you for coming today. They have a gift for you as well before you head out. Also, if this is your home church, we want to encourage you to go ahead and download the MVF Colorado app. Because if you have the app, uh, you have access to so much more. It's, It's got all of our events coming up. And this season, this Advent season, we have a ton of events. We have movie nights and and s'mores nights, and all kinds of things happening. We don't want you to miss out on any of it, and so make sure you download that. And then the other thing about that is if you have the MVF Colorado app, you notice there's a button at the bottom that says Sunday. If you click on that, uh, right where you're at, it will give you Luke chapter 2, verse 1 through 20. It will give you the other passages that we're covering this morning. Those are already lined up for you, as well as message notes, and you can take message notes on the app, and then you can email them to yourself for future reference as well. So there's a lot of ways of using that app just to dive in a little bit deeper to grow in your faith. So we hope that you'll, uh, we just want to encourage you to do that. We hope that you'll download that and get plugged in as quick as possible. Uh, Guys, today we are kicking off our Advent season, like I said. So we want to jump into the Christmas story. This is Luke chapter 2. If you've been around the church any amount of time, you know that when you go to the Christmas story, we're going to talk about Luke chapter 2. Now here's the challenge for all of us. I'm just going to tell you up front. Is listening uh, to this and reading it with new eyes and new ears. Because so many of us, if you were raised in the church, you've heard this story so many times that maybe you're in cruise control right now. It's like, yeah, yeah, I've heard that. But yet when you really back away from this story and take a look at it for what it is, it's astonishing. It's an amazing story. and I, I, That's my prayer is that you'll just kind of listen to this with, with new ears, read it with new eyes this morning, and then we'll talk a little bit more about it when we get through this. Let's read the first 14 verses. It starts off like this. It says, at that time, the Roman emperor Augustus decreed that a census should be taken throughout the Roman empire. This was the first census taken while Quirinius was governor in Syria. All returned to their own ancestral towns to register for the census. And because Joseph was a descendant of King David, he had to go to Bethlehem in Judea, David's ancient home. He traveled there from the village of Nazareth in Galilee. He took with him Mary, to whom he was engaged, who was now expecting a child. And while they were there, the time came for her baby to be born. She gave birth to her firstborn son. She wrapped him snugly in strips of cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no lodging available for them. 
That night, there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. Suddenly, an angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them, and they were terrified. But the angel reassured them, don't be afraid, he said. I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. And you will recognize him by this sign. You will find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth, lying in a manger. Suddenly the angel was joined by a vast host of others, the armies of heaven, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest heaven and peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased. Now again, I hope that you didn't go into cruise control on that because you've heard it so many times. You've watched the Charlie Brown special and so you're like, I got this, right? Um, This story is absolutely incredible, especially when you think about how it gets going. I mean, uh, God picks a teenage girl in the middle of nowhere who has found favor in his eyes, and he sends an angel to her, and and she's like, what are you talking about? And the angel says, look, you're going to be pregnant. She's like, how can that happen? Because I'm a virgin. And the angel pretty much tells her, look, the God, the creator of everything, the God who created mankind and the, bl- the plants and the animals, that God is going to create a new life through the power of his Holy Spirit in your womb. And you're going to give birth to the Savior of the world. Now, if we just stop the story there, that's a phenomenal story. But it goes on because she's engaged to be uh, married to a guy by the name of Joseph. Jer- Joseph is an upright Jewish young man. He... Uh, He loves Mary, and we know that because when he finds out she's pregnant, he doesn't believe the story, and so uh, he knows that if he comes out with the news, they'll just stone her because that was the rules of that culture, and and he loves her enough to say, look, I'm just going to divorce her quietly. But before he can do that, an angel appears to him and says, no, what Mary told you is true. She's found favor in God's eyes, and she's going to give birth to the Messiah, and you will name him Jesus. And so he doesn't break off the engagement. But then, if that wasn't enough disruption, right? You want to talk about your lives being flipped upside down. Uh, The Roman Empire, who's ruling at the time, now decides that everybody has to go back to their ancestral town for a census. They're going to take a census. This is one of the things that they would do every once in a while, just to disrupt countries that they were ruling, to, to scatter people, to keep insurrections from happening. And so they send everybody back to their own in, uh, ancestral town, which for Joseph was clear back to Bethlehem. Now, he could have gone the easy route. He could have just gone straight south. And I don't know if you can see this, but Nazareth up here in the north, he could have just gone straight through Samaria all the way down to Bethlehem. But if you know the story, uh, Jesus comes along later, and he talks about it. He uses it in parables, right, of, of people who would cross through Samaria. It was kind of a dangerous road because there were a lot of, you know, hills and rocks and, and hidden places where robbers could hide, and they could jump out and beat you and rob you. Uh, the other thing about this is there had been a long dispute between Samaritans and Jews. They hated each other. They didn't get along. So, so much so that Jews would actually peel off here, and they would go clear over by the Jordan River and would walk a longer path just so they wouldn't have to go through Samaria. And we believe this is exactly where Mary and Joseph went. It would add another 20 miles to their trip, but it was a little bit safer. And if they were traveling in groups, there there was strength in numbers. And so it was easier for them, especially with a pregnant wife. And so we find them walking down along the Jordan River, making their way to Bethlehem. But by the time they get to Bethlehem, because of the census and everybody was moving, there were no rooms There was no place for them to stay. And so she literally gives birth to the Son of God 
to the Messiah, the Savior, the Lord in a stable. She wraps him in cloth and she lays him in a feeding trough is what it says. And what's interesting is nearby, there's some shepherds in a field. The angel appears to them, doesn't go to the palace, doesn't go to Caesar, goes to these shepherds out in the field, these lowly shepherds, and declares the good news to them. And you're going to find out here in a, more, uh, in a minute, the shepherds knew what to do with this news. Like, it's amazing. They, they said, let's go check it out. And then they go check it out. And then they tell everybody about it. And then they, they return back to their flocks, glorifying and praising God. It's an amazing story. I don't want us to miss this. I don't want us to overlook this story this season. We need to see it with new eyes. Because this is how God announced his path for us to be made right with him, his Savior, his Messiah coming into the world. This is the story on how it happened. Uh, let me ask you, uh, when you were growing up, when you were a child, Christmas time would roll around, would you make a list? Like how many of you wrote out like a wish list or a, a Christmas list of all the presents you wanted? Whether it was from your parents, right? You hoped your parents uh, didn't remember all the bad stuff you did last week, right? You were just hoping that they would remember all the good stuff and you would write out a whole list. Maybe you even uh, mailed it to Santa Claus at the North Pole, right? And uh, you had a whole list. Well, the idea behind this entire series is going to be Jesus' Christmas list. Uh, because honestly, we do that for our birthday, but when we get to Christmas, we do it again. And the question is, whose birthday is it really at Christmas time? Who? Jesus. Yeah, it's not our birthday, is it? But yet, if somebody wanted a gift on your birthday, you'd have issues with that, wouldn't you? And so we're asking the question during this series, look, it's Jesus' birthday. Uh, what would his wish list be? What would his Christmas list be? What would Jesus want on his birthday? And so I want to share with you over the next few weeks, I think, a few things that Jesus wants from us this Christmas season. Christmas is one of those hectic times, isn't it? I just call it chaotic Christmas because that's exactly what happens. If we're not paying attention, it gets crazy. We go in a hundred different directions. There's so many distractions with the lights and the presents and the events. And we got to make sure that we do X, Y, and Z or otherwise this season's not going to add up to what we want it to be. We make all these plans. It becomes so commercialized. If you don't believe me, just think about two days ago, right? Uh, we had Black Friday. And so this is where we're at during the Christmas season. We get all the way through the Christmas holiday season. We get to Christmas night and then we're almost bummed out. Because it didn't turn out the way that we wanted it to. It didn't deliver on what we thought it was supposed to deliver. And I think many times we look around and we go, God, where are you at? And God goes, where were you? Like if you're feeling distant, somebody moved and you know I didn't. So what I want to challenge you with today is this. I think the first thing that's on Jesus' Christmas wish this, uh, this year is that he would have our full attention. I think Jesus wants our full attention this Christmas. Has Jesus ever gotten your attention, like your full attention? And if so, what did he use to do it? How, how did he get your full attention? Because I think he does it many different ways. I, I've experienced this in my own life several times. And, and uh, one in particular, I remember years and years ago, I was on a construction crew, and I was up about 40, 50 feet and I was on a 12-12 pitch roof. It was a real steep roof. And so I was nailing two-by-fours down so I could have something to walk on. And it was in the middle of the snowstorm. So as I was going along, I was having to knock the snow off the cleat so I had some place to put my foot. And I remember looking over the edge. It was like 50 feet down thinking, yeah, I wouldn't survive this. 
And they're handing me four by eight sheets of plywood, and I'm pulling them out there and slapping them on the trusses and laying them out and nailing them down. And in the middle of this whole mess, now, I've never had God speak audibly to me, but this is about as close as it gets. I knew in that moment, I got this message. You're going to die if you're doing this a year from now. That's what I got. Which didn't make any sense to me because I loved my job. I loved what I was doing. And yet, uh, you know, I knew in that moment that I had to make a change. I had to shift jobs. Like, I had to look for something different. I didn't know what God was doing in that moment. I had no clue that years later, he was leading me down this path to lead us into the ministry. I didn't know that. I just knew in that moment that I couldn't keep doing this. I needed to find something else, which bummed me out because I had a lot of friends that were doing it. I have friends that do it today. They're still doing it and done it very successfully. But for me, God had a different path. And I knew in that moment when he got my full attention that something was about to change. Has God ever gotten your full attention? How did he do it? I think he does it in a lot of different ways. I think sometimes God will use disruptions to get our attention. He'll he'll use disappointments, uh, extreme circumstances, defeat, tragedy. Maybe something's happened and all of a sudden you're now more in tune with what God would want from you. I've heard it said that people hear the best when they hurt the most. Maybe it's a tragedy. Maybe it was uh, his voice. Maybe he did audibly speak to you. Like I said, he's never audibly spoken to me, but I know people who say that, man, God spoke directly to me, and I knew it was him when he spoke to me. Um, Others, other people in your life, when they say things to you or they're giving you advice or direction, sometimes God will use that to get your full attention. Sometimes it's by blessing. Maybe something has happened in your life, and God showed up in a big way, and he really got your attention. You know, 2,000 years ago, God got our attention, and in not the way that we would expect either, because we would expect God would speak with this booming voice from the outermost parts of the galaxy to get our attention, but that's not what he did. 2,000 years ago, he got our attention through the small cry of a baby in a no-named town in a distant land, born to a scared teenage mother and a hesitant but very upright young Jewish man. He got our attention. And for 2,000 years, we've been celebrating this birth of this Messiah, this this Savior that would come and give his life so that you and I could be made right with God. And he didn't stop there. Like, he continued. God sent the angels to the nearby field to tell the shepherds, these lowly shepherds, about the birth. And I loved how they responded because I think they responded correctly. Take a look at this in verse 15. It says, When the angels had returned to heaven... The shepherds said to each other, let's go to Bethlehem. I love this because they could have stayed there. They could have ignored it, but they didn't. They're like, let's do something about it. Let's take some action steps. Let's go to to Bethlehem. Let's see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. They hurried to the village and found Mary and Joseph. And there was the baby lying in the manger. After seeing him, the shepherds told everyone what had happened and what the angel had said to them about this child. All who heard the shepherd's story were astonished, but Mary kept these things in her heart and thought about them often. The shepherds went back to their flocks, glorifying and praising God for all they'd heard and seen. It was just as the angel had told them. I believe God wants our full attention this Christmas. He wants your full attention. Now, why don't we give him our full attention? I think for many reasons, uh, we're just distracted. There's just a lot of stuff going on. There's a lot of bright lights and a lot of squirrels out there, aren't there? 
And we can lose our way so fast. It's amazing to me. We're kind of like the little kid on Christmas morning that you give them a $200 gift and they open it up and they spend more time playing with the box than they do with the gift. This is, this is who we are in the Christmas season. I know God's like, look, I want you to come to me. I want your full attention. And we're off chasing everything else. And it's interesting because later on, Jesus in his ministry would actually say this in Matthew 6. He would say, seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously and he will give you everything you need. See, we think that chasing all this other stuff by, by making sure that we have this Christmas extravaganza, that we're going to get everything that we need. And that's not what happens. He says, seek the kingdom of God above all else. Some of your translations say, seek first the kingdom of God. That's what you do. You live a righteous lifestyle, and then he's going to supply all your needs. He's going to take care of what you need. You know what it means to seek? It means to give him your full attention, to make him the center of your life the center of your season. I think the best way that we can ensure that God is, has always got our full attention is through staying connected to him, focusing on him every single day. Let me ask you, you got up this morning, you came to church. When you got up this morning, did you say something like this? God, I know today this is your day. And I want to know what it is that you want. What are you going to teach me today? Where are you going to take me today? What are you going to show me today? Who would you have me talk to today? Did you start your day off like that? We need to. This is what it means by seeking his kingdom, by making him the focus of our life, giving him our full attention. Jesus later on would say in John chapter 15, yes, I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who what? Those who what? Remain. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do, say it, nothing. You can do nothing. I don't know if you can say it any plainer than that. You remain in me. I love that word remain. Uh, The older translations actually say abide, which is a great word as well, to abide in him, to remain in him. You know what that means? To, To give him your full attention, to stay focused on him. I, I do this thing that drives my wife absolutely crazy. Uh, actually, there's a lot of them, but this is just one of them. Uh, I like to test our gas gauge on long trips. We have this thing that says DTE. I don't know if you do this or not. Like uh, distance to end is what it says. And if it says 36, I'm thinking to myself, I bet I can get 50 out of this, right? And so this is what we do on trips. And, and it seems like every trip, I'm always pushing the gauge. And she's always like, you need fuel. Because to her, if it's under half, like we're in danger. And so I'm like, I got this. So I always push it right to the end. And, and last March, we were down in uh, Laurel, Mississippi, visiting her family. And when we're in Laurel, it's only an hour and a half away from New Orleans or Nolens. And, and so you got to go spend a day down there every time we're down there. And so we're down in New Orleans, and we're headed back. We're coming up north on 59. And uh, I knew we needed fuel. But I told her, I was, I'm like, we'll wait till we get back to Laurel. We'll be fine. We got this. And I could tell she's getting nervous already. And so as we're coming up 59... Man, that gas gauge just seemed to go down a lot faster than I was expecting. I'm, I'm starting to get nervous, but I can't show her, right? I got to act tough. And so I'm like, oh, we got this, we got this. But as we're getting closer to Laurel, I knew we were in trouble. Like, I'm like, this is not good. And she's doing that thing where she's just sitting there. And I know that if I run out of fuel, um, she's not going to let me forget it. One of those things, right? You know, married couples, you get this. And uh, I, I'm like, oh, man, I'm in big trouble. This is not good. This is not going in my favor here. And so I'm thinking, okay. Well, I think the exit just before Laurel has a gas station. 
If it does, I'm just going to go ahead and whip off and hit that gas station. Because technically, I can say we're back in Laurel, right? And so as we're getting close, I look up, and sure enough, there's a gas station. I'm like, thank you, Jesus, right, uh, for bailing me out a hundred times today. Anyway, and it's like, oh, boom. And I get over in the, in the off lane. As soon as I get in the off lane and turn my turn signal on, the thing dies. It runs out of fuel. And I'm like, oh, I'm jacked. And so I put it in neutral, and I just coast it, man. I coast it all the way down the off-ramp. We go up the hill to the stop sign. I look both ways. Nobody's coming. I rolled through the stop sign, and I, I rolled down the hill right into the gas station right up to the pump. And I'm like, that was the greatest thing in the world. And I look over, and my wife doesn't even have to say a word. She's just shaking her head like, I'm, I'm married to the biggest idiot in the world. Like, she just, she was not impressed at all. And I've done this so many times, but the thing is, it's burnt me many times too. Like, it's bitten me. I've been in the middle of Kansas. Like, if there's ever a place you don't want to run out, right? In the middle of Kansas, and there's not a gas station within miles, and I'm stuck out there with no, no gas. Why? Because I was toying with it. I was playing around with it. Now, that might be funny in a car, but it's not funny in life. And see, so often, especially when we get in the Christmas season, we're go, 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 and we're pushing everything, and we don't realize that we're not abiding, we're not remaining in Christ, we're not being filled up, we're just running on empty. And and by the time we get to the end of the Christmas season, we look back on it, we're like, where were you at? Like, God, I thought more was going to happen, I thought this was going to be richer, I thought this was going to be a better season for us, and God's like, where were you at? You weren't remaining. You weren't abiding. You weren't focused. I didn't have your full attention. And we wonder why our season sometimes feels so empty. Now, how do we remain in Christ? How do do we stay focused on him? How do we do that? How do we give him our full attention? I, I think... Here at Mountain View Fellowship, we try to make it very simplistic. We, we give everybody what we call the five expectations of every MVF family member. And, and we try to teach this. We want all of you to do this because I think if you do this, it's, it's a way of staying connected, of giving him your full attention. The first one is just to attend, to, to be here every Sunday. And now through this Advent season, we have four Sundays. We have, we have movie nights. We have s'mores nights. We have uh, Thanksgiving, I'm sorry, uh, Christmas Eve Eve services. We, we just did a Thanksgiving Eve service, and it all kind of kicks off our Advent season. And, and if you're a part of all of that, I promise you this. This season will be more rich for you. You're going to get more out of it. You're going to foster a deeper relationship with God if you're connected in that way. That's what I, I want you to do. I want to challenge you to attend, uh, to serve, to get in and serve those around you. Serve your community. We'll talk more about that here in a minute, but you're going to have some opportunities to serve people around you. It will be a more rich season for you if you serve. Connect. What we talk about in here, but also in life groups. We want you in life groups. How do you make a big church feel small? You get in a life group. And actually, that's where the true ministry happens anyway, because you're getting to know a handful of people on a deeper level, and you're growing together with them. And then share, like the shepherds did. You just share what Jesus has done in your life, and then, of course, give. Give not just financially, but of your resources and your knowledge and your your spiritual gifts. When you're giving, when, when you're pouring yourself out, God can keep filling you up. It's amazing how that works. We want to challenge each and every one of you to engage here. Where Where this Christmas season can you start to, I don't know, Focus a little more time. Where are you weak at and what do you need to lift up? Where, where can you engage a little bit more so that you give Christ your full attention this season? With all the distractions, let me promise you this. You have to be intentional if you want to 
engage with Christ this Christmas season, you, if you want to give him your full attention, it doesn't just happen by accident. You have to commit to that. You have to make it a way of life in order to give Jesus your full attention. Now, with that being said, let me just give you a couple of challenges because I, every week during this Advent season, we're going to have some challenges for you. This is the first one that I want to give you, and I'm going to build it on what the shepherds did, just kind of pulling a few things out of the passage that we read. If you take a look at what the shepherds did, they said, let's go to Bethlehem. Let's see this thing that's happened, which the Lord has told us about. They moved. They moved towards Jesus. They went and sought his kingdom first. They, they were going to engage with Christ. They made it intentional. Then the shepherds told everyone what had happened and, the angel, uh, and what the angel had said to them about this child. They went and told people. They were sharing Jesus with people around them. And then lastly, the shepherds went back to their flocks, glorifying and praising God for all they had seen and heard. Uh, I want us to praise and glorify God this Christmas season because of what he's doing in and through us this season. So here's the challenge for you. If you want to give Christ your full attention this Christmas season, we have an Advent calendar that we want to encourage you to pick up. It looks like this. There's two sides to it. And uh, if you have small children, one side is for you. Because it's got these little projects that you can do with your kids all through Advent season. The scripture readings are very small. They're, they're one to four verses, very small until you get to Christmas and then you read the whole Christmas story. It's very simple. This isn't going to take a whole lot of time, but yet you can give Christ more attention by focusing on his word and, and just focusing on what he's calling us to do during this Advent season. The other side is for those of us that are adults. Maybe you don't have kids. Maybe you're single. Maybe you're empty nesters. Uh, you can do everything on this list. And it's little bitty things, things just to, to minister to the community around you, to help people. And, and so we want you to engage with this um, Advent calendar this Christmas season. Another thing that I want to encourage you to do is on your seats, you have cards that look like this. They're in different colors. And uh, we have a wall out in the lobby. It says blessed on it. It's the Barnwood wall. All through this season, every Sunday, we started this on our Thanksgiving Eve service. You see there's already some cards hanging on that wall. Uh, it just simply says, how has God blessed you? We want to pause for a minute. We want to remember how God has blessed us. This is a great way of cultivating uh, a heart of gratitude. We have to stop and we have to remember what God is doing in and through us. And so here's what we want you to do. Every week when you come in here, grab one of these, fill it out, and then go out to that wall and just take one of those pens and stick it in the wall. I'm hoping by the end of the season that thing is full, like we're having to order more pens because God has blessed us in that way. And then here's what I want you to do. After you pin that to the wall... I want you to turn around, and right in the middle of the lobby, you're going to see, uh, we're just calling it our blessing tree. It's a Christmas tree, and it's got all these ornaments hanging on it. Um, they're cards, and you can go around that tree, and you can read all of the cards. They're challenges for you to be a blessing to the people around you. Because God has blessed you, we want you to turn around and be a blessing to the people around you as well. Now, some of them, uh, they might cost a few dollars. Others, they don't cost a dime. Some of them are, are just taking cookies to somebody. Some, some of them, you know, it's a blessing at a local business. Or there, there's all these, I mean, it's a plethora of options. You'll just have to read over them. And every week, I hope that you'll pin something on that wall. You'll turn around. You'll read through those cards. You'll pick one that either you or your family, or maybe you want to do something as a life group one week. You can do that. But every week, we want you going out and being a blessing to the community around you. That's going to be the simplest way for us to be able to uh, just exercise this, this full attention that we're giving Christ and being his hands and feet to the people around us during this Advent season. So I hope that you'll follow along, that you'll engage with that as we jump into this Christmas season. Um, what we're going to do 
right now is we're going to spend some time worshiping. Like the shepherds, right? Glorifying and praising God. We're, we're going to glorify and praise God. I, I want to invite you, if you need prayer this morning, we're going to do something a little bit different. We're going to invite our elders, our prayer team, our pastors, uh, if they'd just all come up to the front. We're going to have them sit on these stairs on both sides. And if you need prayer during these next two songs, um, maybe it's health, maybe it's a job, whatever it is. Uh, maybe you just are just feeling that, that funk that we were talking about last week, right? And you just need some, I don't know, some encouragement. You can come down, grab one of these people up here at the front, and they'll pray with you during these two songs. And so we just want to open that up to you as well. So let's, let's kick off our uh, holiday season this way. Can I pray for us? And then we'll worship together. Heavenly Father, we thank you and praise you for being a God who loves us. Uh, we celebrate this every time this, uh, th- during this time of the season. This idea that you loved us so much that you would come and sacrifice yourself for us, Lord. And, and God, I pray that uh, this season doesn't slip by without us fully focused on you given you our full attention. God, I pray that in this moment that uh, we're already thinking of ways that you want to interact with us and, and just use us to proclaim who you are this Christmas season. And Lord, I pray that as we stand and we glorify, praise your name, that you'd meet us right where we're at. God, I know we have people in this room who are really struggling this season. Would you please bless them? Would you meet them in, in their need? We've got others who are struggling physically, Lord. We're asking for healing. We're asking that you would just be with them as they take steps and um, just discovering you, even in the midst of their pain, even in the midst of their suffering. God, we just ask that you would grab our attention and that we would be intentional, that we'd be committed this Christmas season to give you our full attention. God, we give all this to you. We ask that everything that we do and say glorifies the name of Jesus Christ and all God's people said.